0: Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
1: Welcome to the GoPowerCat Podcast. Powercat Questions Podcast. I switched it up, freaked Zach out just now. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, dude Daphne, the whole crew is here in the GPC studios as we prepare you for your off weekend with our answering of your questions. I think I did that right. I'm not sure. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge. You're coming to town for the Iowa State game. It's a 6-30 game. I, I get it that you might have a lot of things on your agenda. There's so much stuff to do. I mean, you can go down to Tanner's or the Hilo or segment sponsors, but
2: you need to swing through the fridge. Their entrance is closed right now. The They're, fridge's entrance is closed? The driveway. You got to go in the other driveway. You got to go in the far driveway? You got to go all the way to the south.
1: Folks, sometimes you're asked to work harder for the things you love. The fridge Currently has a different entrance. Figure it out yourself. If you're too dumb to figure it out, you should probably go to another liquor store. The Fridge. For smart liquor drinkers. I feel like I was doing okay till the very end. I feel like they pay us too much money for that read. (laughs) I feel like they pay us money. Probably should do better. The Fridge. It's awesome. It kicks ass. And it won't make your mama jokes. Okay. Um... By the way, everyone, we have a special going right now, and it's two months for a dollar. It ends Thursday night. So if you're listening to this on Friday, you missed it. But if you're listening to this on Thursday, get in there and get this special, two months for a buck. Through the rest of the regular season of football, you're covered. You get Go Powercat. I call it an extended test drive. You will dig it, I think, I hope. But check that out. And if you're seeing our YouTube videos over there on our YouTube channel, go ahead and Subscribe to that, as well as this podcast. There's so much stuff. I need you to check a lot of boxes. Subscribe to podcasts. Subscribe to YouTube channel. Subscribe to The Fridge. Like us on Facebook. Like us. I didn't even think about that. Like us on Facebook, if it's up. Mm-hmm. If it's working. Any rumor to the fact that we took down Facebook because our traffic was so overwhelming? Echo PowerCat. We actually did have a
3: good day that day without Facebook. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Message us on WhatsApp. Oh yeah, no. Message us on WhatsApp. Cole accepts
4: nudes.
3: (laughs) Those are noodles. Noodles. Here we go.
1: Your questions from Wildmash Station Gills has the com. First
4: question comes from and the comm.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a military
4: term. Okay. Anderson Blumont asks, did Skylar Thompson's injury force him to play more like an NFL quarterback against Oklahoma? And if he continues to play that way, could it actually be a blessing in disguise when it comes time for the NFL draft?
1: Yeah, he did. And Chris Kleiman said it at Tuesday's press conference. Thought it was, made him forced him to trust the routes and find a receiver. And he told me after the game, a couple times he thought I should run. And then there was a receiver. So it made him hold that split second. What else it did is because he wasn't as maneuverable, he didn't flee the pocket to the right. He never did that once that I can recall. Maybe he did
3: on the pass to Weber at the very, on the fourth and
1: 14. Yes. Yes, he did. and, if you squeeze him out, he's going to go to the right, and then he gets caught in that indecisive level of do I run or pass. And this made him decisive. He was passing, so he just stayed in the pocket. I think it made him a much better quarterback. My issue is going ahead now, once he gets his wheels back, is he going to overthink this damn thing and wonder, should I run, should I stay, should I, and just end up doing neither, which is the worst-case scenario. But, yeah, it was a great performance by Skyler. He trusted his receivers to get open, and
3: they got open. I think he should throw the ball more often. It's amazing what happens when you stay in the pocket, right? I mean, that is the first time we've seen with this offense, correct me if I'm wrong, Fitz, but where we have not seen a quarterback rush, right? I mean not I would think the first time in three years there has not been a quarterback rush. And they looked really good. They looked really good, and Skylar Thompson, I said this um, when I was calling the game on the student radio station, but this is one of his best games of his career, just strictly because he stayed in the pocket, he trusted his receivers, he trusted his offensive line, and he threw the ball really well. I wouldn't go so far as to say that one single game is you know, going to be indicative of how he plays the rest of the season, but if he can include elements of scrambling and staying in the pocket— it's only going to help him, and it's really only going to help this K State offense.
2: I agree. He was so patient in the backfield. You know, he was able to look for routes, and really, it gave us what we've been looking for all year: is wide receivers making catches. You know, there were there were guys. Landry Weber. I think Cade Warner had a catch. All these guys that should have been keys and and pieces to this offense early on in the season are now starting to emerge. So hopefully. He keeps that patience. He doesn't find his wheels and overthink stuff and goes through all of his reads because there's going to be guys there if he can find them like he did against Oklahoma. Forget about Skylar. Maybe Courtney Messingham figured out that if you're not conservative, you can actually get some plays
4: down the field. So that might be my biggest takeaway rather than Skylar Thompson.
1: Well, yeah, I, I was really impressed with the play calling. I thought as much as we've criticized Courtney Messingham, we should stop and say I thought he did a nice job. He went with the hot hand, which was throwing the ball, which is a little bit different. Maybe he's more comfortable when the receivers and quarterback are on the same page. So hopefully this is something we'll see going
4: forward because it really did work out well for Kansas State. Next question comes from Exhausted Nihilist. Before the officials took away the successful onside kick, just how high was Ty Zettner scoring on the swag meter
2: It was broken. It was pretty
3: good. He was fired up. He's fired up.
1: But he cheated,
2: and
3: he got caught. Here's my issue with this. We so, can
2: use this question for the replay rants or answer okay. anything because this is it. This, this is it? all. This is all we're talking about, or this is the only question based on the kick. So if you anything you want to say, get it out now.
3: So you guys, did you did you watch the NBA playoffs that that much? No, no, no. Sure. no, no I, did. I did. I got gotcha. you. What's, what's the NBA? Okay, go ahead. It's the NBA-F. Oh, no, just kidding. Uh, the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> In the in the NBA playoffs, uh there was a big deal about uh, replay and the ball went off of his his hand, right? I Ryan, do you remember this? Devin Booker, when they're playing the Clippers, and there's a, a specific replay where he reaches in, and in live time, it clearly looks like it went off of the defender, mm-hmm. out of bounds. Mm-hmm. But when you slow it down frame by frame, you realize that he touched the ball, and as he forced the ball away, it kind of stayed, in stayed into Devin Booker's hands of the Phoenix Suns. So it ended up being, instead of staying with Phoenix, it ended up being... The Clippers ball, and obviously it didn't matter. But I think that that's kind of where we're at right now with with replay, and not just in football, and sports in general. Replay should be to get the obvious calls correct. I don't know if that call was obvious, but I think if you slowed it down frame by frame, it became clear that it was the right call. I say that. I say all of that to say. I think we need to question where we're at with replay in sports in general because I truly don't think that the second, quote-unquote, second kick had any effect of the ball's flight, had any effect of the ball's movement whatsoever. I don't know how you guys feel about that, and that's really not something that very many people are talking about. It's more of did the officials do the right thing or not, but I think there, there has to come a point in time where we question and we look at the integrity of how we're using replay in sports. Well, it, it probably changed the
1: flight of the ball, but – you can't argue it changed the outcome of the play. Again, they look, they got the call right. He, he did hit it twice. Someone on the board asked, they haven't seen the replay. And I thought it was interesting in the stadium, they didn't show the golden replay. I saw it on TV right after mm-hmm. he kicked the ball. You called it. And yeah, it, it, it bounced up and caught him. We can argue whether that should be a penalty. Golfer, should it be a penalty?
2: I mean, they've changed the rules now. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it used to, yes. It's completely no.
1: incidental. It's not done intentionally, Um, and, I mean, it's just the follow-through of his kick. He didn't attempt to kick it twice. It just happened. Uh, My real problem is whether it could be reviewed or not. The Big 12s found a way to excuse it, while the guys who do this for a living that evaluate officials on CBS and other stations are saying, no, that's a misapplication. There was no new evidence. You just didn't find it in the evidence. It was there. You had that camera. You just didn't see it. And you made a ruling on illegal touching, which is what they ended up ruling on illegal touching. So, I mean, it's more about the function in the system. You can't make up rules as they go along. You have to set the rules. And this is what I've been saying. Look, they did get it right. And I respect that. But the way they went about it is sketchy as shit. It just is. It was very, very apparent, and I'm just going to be blunt. Oklahoma and Texas get that. They get that from an official. If Chris Kleiman had made the same argument over the same play, just different uniforms, I am 100% certain the answer would have been, we've already reviewed it, we can't go back and review it because those officials know damn well what the rules are. And if they don't, they should be fired. And if they ignored the rules as written, they should be fired. But again, the Big 12 is just protecting their guys instead of worrying about the integrity of the sport and how – they they can make mistakes folks. These are grown ass men. They made a mistake. Just say it was a mistake and case stairs will go, "Well that sucks. Let's move on."
2: I think I don't think the mistake necessarily came from the officiating crew. It came from upstairs or wherever headquarters, wherever they look at these if they look at them off-site. Oh, credit to Lincoln Riley for saying, "Hey, I'm willing to burn a timeout because he kicked it. I'm calling timeout. I'm challenging this. I don't care." You know, go take a second look if you because, you know, he made the argument. You looked at illegal touching the wrong, you know, the wrong illegal touching. And like I can see, yes, in the end, they get it right. But I credit to him for at least trying and and getting it. I don't think that I think most coaches, probably Chris Kleiman included, they know the rule. They know. Once it's gone upstairs,
3: you can't look at it, but he was at least willing to take a gamble to see if he could get it. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but during the review, the entire Oklahoma bench was on the field. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that was something that I saw right away. It wasn't just the offense and the defense were out on the field. The whole entire field was or the whole entire team was out on the field as Lincoln Riley is just going ballistic at these officials while they're, you know, reviewing it, and he's asking for the second challenge. To me, that should have been a penalty in the first place. I thought they missed that one. But I, I'm with you that the way it was gone about was just terrible. If you're going to get it right, get it right. But back to my original you know, thought with the replay in sports, I mean, I, I just really think that that is another prime example of how replay needs to be fixed overall. You, you should have two minutes or three minutes. You You
2: should have a maximum time. If it is not evident within two minutes, looking at all of the angles, and you can't you know definitively see something that has happened and be able to make a ruling play stands that's what it needs to be you can't have 6 minute long stoppages and saying hey we finally got it right after figuring it out why do coaches challenges still exist in college football that's what i haven't figured or out
1: or why is that not what we have or yeah yeah just have that
2: yeah How, i'd rather i'd rather see a challenge system in you know, then what we're doing, bring a two minute, bring the two minute warning in for second and fourth quarters. So everything under that time gets reviewed automatically, but everything else you have to throw a red flag. I'm all for I it. I think it should be all or nothing. It's like the NFL overtime
4: rule. Are we in this or are we not? So you mean no replay? What do you mean? You could have no replay or just have it be the whole game by the, you know, the officials. No, I, I don't I, want the two minute, whatever. Second that's what game. the NFL is. I'm talking overtime rules where it's like, do you want it to be a tie or do you want to have equal you know, opportunities? That's my point.
1: Uh, you just went off the deep end.
2: I have no clue what analogy yeah, with you're With replay
4: to with college football, it should either be everything is reviewed upstairs no matter what or everything is a coach's challenge. There shouldn't be a middle ground with there's oh, two minutes left. Yeah. Sorry. I'm very – So you're saying that the NFL has it wrong even the way they do it. No. <laughs> I was just talking about NFL overtime rules. They're on the fence about should you know Oh I see you're making a comparison getting a fair chance to win with the field goal it makes no sense sorry Uh-oh. I'm going to be quiet Not now replay. I think I've lost <laughs> okay. you guys I thought you were talking I, about replay anybody get
3: me He's saying you either make need to have all or nothing No coaches challenging college football or all coaches challenging yep. college football I, I, think in I, would, I
1: think I would I think I'd allocate that's a great idea I think I'd allocate it this way you get one challenge per half if you miss and two challenges per half if you get it correct
4: I say unlimited if you get it right you should never be not able to challenge it if you're continuing to getting is, it
3: right. I believe that's how baseball
1: Okay, is. But I would say at the end of the game, in the final two minutes, you get one challenge that doesn't cost you a timeout. I would be fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine with that. I mean, if a, I guess you're right, right? I mean, if it's going to cost you a timeout and a coach is willing to be wrong three times, let him burn all his damn
4: timeouts. Well, does that become a basketball use it or lose it timeout when you're near in halftime and you've still
2: got that challenge and you're just going to well, burn that?
1: Might. Yeah. Mine. That's a good
2: point. One thing, they bring out a screen now for the official on the field. Why do they do that?
1: Little tiny (laughs)
2: he's not making it's not he's not going under the hood like an NFL referee does. And I don't even know if the NFL referee makes that decision anymore since everything's so centralized with replay. Why why does he need to see it? It's just theater at this point. Why
3: are the officials not the ones making the call? Yeah.
2: That's what I want to know. the TV screen is like 2 inches long. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. put an actual screen like th- go under the hood like NFL does. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think it needs to be the official.
1: I, I would like a third party away from the heat of the game and whatever's going on in the sidelines because apparently the official and Lincoln Riley dated in high school. I don't know. <laughs> it looked like a date. Um and yeah, they're very uh, happy together. Yeah, they were they spent a lot of time together. I think I saw flowers. I might be wrong. But um you know, get a third party up there. My problem is who the third party is. It's always an old dude who's too old to officiate anymore, and now we put him in charge of technology. Does <laughs> anyone see anything wrong here? I mean, hey, by the way, you're going to be in charge of replay reviews and TikToks today, so have fun with that. What's TikTok? I mean, you know what I mean? It. it, it I think it takes someone who's really able to get around a system to do it quickly and be – concise about it and have a running clock, say, hey, I got I got my time here. I got to look at this. Got to look at this. Okay. Here's all my replays. Do, 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 do. If you really know what you're looking for, guys, you can flip right through this.
3: I have no clue why these damn things take so long. Especially it, when Dean Blandino can get up there and say, okay, this is what we're going to have in 30 seconds and boom. Right. It's done. I, I mean, all of us feel that way.
1: And and yet they still get things wrong. The, the catch... With the foot out of bounds, what game was that? What game was that? Where they replayed it and they still ruled it a catch? Oklahoma State. Was it Oklahoma State? God, Mm -hmm. it seems like it was three months ago. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they still get things wrong. His shoes clearly out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah, So I I don't know. The whole system's broken. And look, I, I said this earlier. I hope the Big 12 takes this as an opportunity to back up and look at how they do everything. Who's running our officials? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? How are we going to be, you know, you look, Commissioner Bullsby, you don't have a big brother in Texas running it anymore. You are going to have so much more power if you're still in place. Do something with it. Make this a more proactive conference. Let's not trip into habits because that's the way we've done it. You, You have this reflex defense of your staff. I appreciate it. I understand it. I kind of do the same thing with my guys, but when they screw up, you say they screw up. I will, for the record, push Ryan Gilbert under that bus if I need to. I will. I will absolutely push it. No, I won't. But anyhow, player of the year. What? I'm just. I'm just frustrated by the whole, whole everything (laughs) that. I honestly, I'm a, I'm an idiot. Okay, I thought this crap would stop with them leaving. I thought the Big 12 would say, hey, let's not give any benefit of the doubt to OU and Texas anymore. But no, we're still stuck with it. God, let them out. Let them go away. Let's move on.
4: Change. From K-State Ema, 1989, will this staff bring in a transfer quarterback to compete for the job next season?
1: I don't, you scared Daphne Fitz. I'm sorry, Daphne. I I don't think so. I know that's. On the agenda is a possibility, but, man, you do that, you blow up your room. You know what I, I mean? Like, you, if, if you're going to do that, you're admitting these guys are not the answer because two of them will be gone. I guarantee it, man. You bring in a, a transfer, even if he's a grad transfer, Will Howard's gone. And I don't know, maybe someone else is gone. You blow up your room, and maybe that's what you need to do.
2: But I'm not the one to make that decision. But that's terrible. That's that's damning if they need to blow up this quarterback room with what they have. Bingo, you have admitted if you bring in if you bring in a transfer quarterback, you admit that you failed. And if you bring in a transfer quarterback and keep Colin Klein as the quarterback's coach, oh boy. You got you got some really bad quarterbacks and you have a lot of faith in Colin Klein. I love
1: Colin Klein, but someone has to be held accountable for the development of the quarterbacks.
3: I, I think I honestly think when you when to me this was the eye opening. This was so eye opening for me, and I was talking to Ryan about this after the game. It's amazing what that offense can do with average quarterback play. Because what Skylar Thompson did on Saturday, we can sit here and say it was one of the best games of his career. Yes, but with how the offense was going, I mean, I am just gonna say it: an average quarterback could have made the plays that Skylar Thompson made. There was not one play where I thought, "Wow." That is a high-level college football play right there. Every single throw that he made, the way he managed the offense, is what an average to an above-average quarterback can do. K-State fans just haven't seen above-average quarterback play since Colin Klein. Right.
1: And you can argue as a quarterback he was above average. He just
3: elevated everything by the intangibles he brought to the field. To me, with this offense... He's a honey badger. He is. (laughs) With this offense... If you get average to above-average quarterback play consistently, you will have a chance to win every single game that you're in, in, no matter who you're going up against. So what does that mean? Do you think you can get maybe good quarterback play with with an incoming transfer? If you think you can get good to above-average quarterback play with an incoming transfer – I think you have to accept it because I don't know right now if the guys that are in that quarterback room are capable of playing how Skylar Thompson played on Saturday. And for
2: the level of experience that, or and time in the program that Will Howard has, he's basically the equivalent of when Skylar Thompson came in at Texas Tech and led K-State to victory in overtime. Right. You're right. And and Skylar Thompson was not free of criticism in 2017 or even 2018. No. So why why does Will Howard have to be so great right now? Do you, why does he not get the same amount of time that Skylar Thompson did? I do you, just don't get the absolute impatience well, of this fan base. I
1: don't think he's as far along as Skylar was. Mm-hmm. Is my argument? I think, he, and I think part of it is um, how do I want to put this? You're exactly right about your evaluation of the quarterbacks. They're not asking them to do anything radical. They're they're asking them to throw passes that can be made. Look, we saw Carson Strong come in here, and um, you can have your opinions about whether he's a first-round pick or not, but I saw him make a couple passes. College quarterbacks typically don't make. I and mean, there was something special about him. You could see that. You know, Skyler makes plays, but none of them seem like, oh my gosh, that was just unbelievable. Once in a while, I think they almost feel like they have too much pressure on him, and Skylar just went out and played. I don't have to run. I don't have to do this. I'm just going to go throw the ball. Maybe they're just making it too difficult. I don't know, but the level of quarterback play right now is very worrisome for next year, but by God, let's get through this year because I think if Skylar Thompson stays healthy, we saw what they can do. Mm-hmm. Now guy, got to get the defense fixed. Mm-hmm. One... They both worked for a couple games, and now they've, they've just rotated crap fest. So, let's get them all back on track.
4: Last question of the first half comes from AdCat2019. Has K-State played the two best teams in the conference, or is there another game looming against a team we'll see in Arlington? Texas.
1: I mean, Texas has done some things that I find intriguing, I I don't know about that Arkansas game. I want to see them against Oklahoma this week. I really don't know what to expect. I think I'm, I'm picking Oklahoma just because I don't want to pick Texas. But, um, yeah, I think they have seen two of the three best. And I think next Saturday's game with Iowa State might be deciding who's the fourth best. You know, West Virginia's out there. Baylor's out there. There's some other good teams. But um, I'm, I'm not impressed by TCU. I'm not overwhelmed by Texas Tech and Kansas is Kansas. So, I mean, there's some really winnable games coming up for K-State. But Texas, at the end of the season, is going to be a real challenge. So, just go win the next six
3: to get to Texas and then figure out what happens. I think that's a realistic possibility. With the team that we saw on Saturday, especially with the offense, right? Because that is, to me, still the concerning spot. I know that the the defense has not looked good against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. But you're not going to face offenses that are going to consistently punch you in the mouth like Oklahoma state and Oklahoma did because they ran the ball extremely effectively. We can talk about Spencer Rattler throwing the ball and only having three incompletions all we want, but make no mistake about it. Those teams move the ball because they ran the ball on K state. Mm-hmm. There's no other team in the league. That's going to be able to run the ball like those two teams. So Texas. I, yeah. Texas fair. But again, you got to get to them first, right? I think the rest of the schedule, KC has a very good chance to, Potentially get every single win. And if you come down in a situation like that, you've got to be happy.
2: What was the ranking that K-State was like fourth in strength of record? Strength Uh, of schedule. schedule.
1: Yeah, strength of schedule. Fourth. In the country, and I don't think that's going to change much. Nevada will continue to win in the Mountain West, and Stanford is in a crappy conference, so they'll continue to look good. <laughs> um, what a crappy conference! I'm I'm going to do a daily delivery on how crappy the Pac-12 is, and why are we sitting around discussing the strength of the future Big 12 when the numbers are already coming in that it'll be the third best football conference? I mean, this is just insane. I I don't know, guys. I the door's open to K-State. You mentioned the running game. Brees Hall, I'm a big fan of his. Um, this will be a significant challenge for K-State. They've got to get this defense under control and get back to what they were doing early. We, you know, we asked Chris Kleiman, have people figured this out? <clears throat> you know, more people are running it. Eventually, the spread stopped working the way it used to because everyone started running it and everyone started defending it all the time. And maybe this defense is kind of the flip of that. People are seeing more and more of it and starting to figure it out. Or is K-State executing it poorly? He said it's tackling and some execution. I think it's both, but uh, they better get it solved because Brees Hall will run through them all day long. If given the opportunity. Very good. That's the first half of this Powercat Questions podcast. In the second half, Ryan Gilbert's going to talk about the NFL overtime rules, (laughs) what goes into it, and his feelings about cheerleaders in the professional football ranks. It's all coming up on the Powercat Questions podcast. Or maybe it's not. We're sponsored by The Fridge.
0: GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios.
1: Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge every time you are in town. Don't mess around. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low hello get into Aggieville and say hello at Tanner's I got computer mm. mm. that was a good one huh? I like that. here we go more questions from Bob station Gills take it away
4: from Ohio power cat how big of a game is Iowa State will it mean the difference between a pretty good year and a year that ends like last year I don't it's not going to end like last year I mean that
1: we got to stop talking about last year as if it was anything relatable. Yeah, that goes on the record. I get it. But there were so many weirdnesses about last year. Let's not try to count that in any way as
4: a normal year.
1: Hang on. Since you've said that, do you want to to to
4: to just read read the the question? From El Camino Cat, on the same subject, was last year an official season. Do the results, quote-unquote, count? They absolutely count,
1: but you also have to understand – the situation around it. I mean, if you had a, a head coach and their top two quarterbacks got hurt and they're playing with the third string quarterback, I think an AD would probably be a little bit more um, acceptable acceptance. What's the word I'm looking for? Understanding. Understanding of what the coach went through. Last year was a mess. I, I'm I'm sick of talking about last year. I got through last year. We all made it through last year. Football sucked at the end. It has nothing related to what's going on in the field right now. I truly believe that. In fact, I think it's had a positive on this team. Now, back to the original question, I think this game against Iowa State's enormous because I, I think this one sets the tone for the rest of the season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you lose this, I I feel like you throw the door open to more losses mentally, you, you start to accept that. Oh, we, we can't compete with the top part of this conference. Are we even in the top part? Maybe, maybe Baylor is. Oh, we lost to them. You start to have doubts. Win this game, get back on top of Iowa State. The world seems right, and you launch into the rest of the schedule by going to Texas Tech. I think it's a really, really important game I, the, yeah. for this team. There's a huge difference between three and three and four and two, a chasm
3: a canyon of difference between three and three and four and two. I don't see any way. I don't see any way where K-State doesn't win this game. I just, I, I, I I just, I've, I've looked at it and I've, I've, I really think that the way that K-State played on Saturday showed not only to themselves, but really to the rest of the conference, that they can play their B, B plus B minus game and still be able to compete with, any team in the conference. The defense was awful on Saturday. It was awful. it was awful. That's the worst performance we've seen them have the entire season. Was the offense good? Sure. But that was the same type of offense that we've seen from a Skyler-led, Skyler Thompson-led team. They didn't break the bank, they got a special teams touchdown. They capitalized on short fields every once in a while, but it wasn't anything where it was like, wow, this offense is. They can't be stopped because guess what? We still saw the three and out in the beginning of the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Put that on your bingo chart, folks, because that has been something that has been happening for the previous two years, um, three years, really. But I guess I just don't see a way that they lose this game. And if they do lose this game, then you have to change your expectations to six and six or seven and five.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the, this is the divide. This is the fork in the road. Which way does K-State want to take their season? They win this one. Well, I think it's possible they run off five or six straight Mm -hmm. and be in the conversation for that second spot, second spot in the championship game. If you lose this game, I think you open yourself up to maybe losses to West Virginia, maybe a loss to Baylor, and maybe you're looking at six and six. And like that's what I've said. If K State gets through these first three conference games and they go, you know, if they go or start three and three to start the, you know, the six games first six games of the season, that second half is going to be tough to get to bowl eligibility. But if you get through four and two, five and one, like I've said, I think that opens up the opportunity where you can go and run the table. And this schedule is built so well. I get that K state started on the road for the millionth time this year, but if you look at the rest of the schedule, it's literally a gift. I would take that trade every year to get this schedule just to, to build yourself up. You have a couple hard games first, but then you take the bye week; it is just a mountain up, essentially, with some little Kansases and TCU and Texas Tech in incredible. between. Incredible!
1: I mean, they they leave the state of Kansas once between now and going to Texas. They go to Lubbock. That's it. There are other road games at Kansas, which uh, that's in Lawrence, if you don't know. And it's uh, every other year. It's known as uh, Manhattan East. Manhattan East. That's yeah. it, and it will be again. So, I mean, this is a great opportunity. You're playing at home. You're hardly traveling. You have to go to the, you know, the cotton fields of Lubbock, Texas. So weird that, you know, you you should be able to win this game and get into cruise control a little bit. That's that's a little overstated, but you know what I mean? The challenges drop. If you get bad Brock Purdy, you're going to win. If you get good Brock Purdy, you might have issues. They saw good Brock Purdy last year. Kansas saw good Brock Purdy. So now I want someone in the veneer football complex to go through all the film possible to try to figure out what is the key to Brock Purdy feeling comfort and feeling like he's a total idiot making stupid passes because there isn't much difference. I mean, there isn't there isn't an in between here. You either have bad Brock or good Brock, and you got to figure out how to get bad Brock and you're going to win that
2: game. I do want to answer El Camino Cat's question with an analogy. Barry Bonds. Was a great hitter of the baseball. Yes. And he also used steroids. I know I do too. That is my thoughts on last season. Mm, yeah. There is an asterisk.
3: Okay, There we go. But not everybody was using steroids.
2: But the good hitters were.
3: Everybody was. Who was clean? Who was clean? This is completely off topic, but who was clean at that time? I think there's an analogy where you can bring it all Billy, back. But- Billy Butler.
1: I can guarantee you he's never done steroids. He's done
2: pancakes. I think there were some antibiotics in those country breakfasts. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> From Kned, Iowa State went to the three-three-five to limit spread explosive plays three years ago. Have offenses adjusted, and as K-State went to it a year late, all but two teams, Tech and Everyone, ran more than... Than past Saturday and were near or more than four yards per carry. Our offense is simply running it over or willing to take the open nine yard underneath route now.
1: Yeah, all that's true. I mean, that's one of the things I love about football. Bill Snyder always said it. It's cyclical. It all comes back around. He was running the spread in 1989, 91, 92. You know, that guy came around and he decided, well, this Michael Bishop kid's pretty good at running the ball. Maybe I should, do the quarterback run, and that changed. But he was always, like, out of sync with the rest of the conference. That's part of his brilliance. Everyone was running the ball, he threw it. Everyone started throwing the ball, he ran it. And that's what's happened in college football now. Everyone's altered their defense lighter, faster, you know, be able to run to the ball more. So the offense has said, okay, we'll go back to power running. And that's working. So now, what what are teams going to do? I wish K State would throw the four man front out there once in a while. They're short on defensive ends right now, but show it. Don't they got so predictable on Saturday with that three man front? It seems like they ran three three man front with a with zone beneath and let they just let them get comfortable. Damn it! Why does K State let quarterbacks get so comfortable by running the same thing over and over? I've seen it with multiple defensive coordinators now. And this is the same D coordinator who scrambled the brains of Spencer Rattler last year by changing things up. And this year, every time I looked up, just throwing it underneath his own. Here's a little check down. He's over there just standing there all alone. It's very frustrating to me.
3: Very frustrating. I agree with all you said Fitz, but I mean, I don't necessarily think that running the football is the new trend. Because this goes all the way up to, we've talked a little bit about it before, but I mean, it goes all the way up to the NFL. The NFL's running back lifespan is four years. Yep. The the reality of the situation is more and more athletes are either playing defensive back or wide receiver. Because at the end of the day, those are going to be the guys that if they want to make money, that's where they're going to have to play. So when it all comes down to it, more athletes are playing those positions than are playing running back. I don't necessarily think that just because there was only a few teams that ran the ball more than they threw the ball, that means that somehow K-State is being left in the dust with this. I, I, I still think that the spread offense, you look around college football, it's maybe more 50-50 than it has been in the past, but the big plays come from throwing the football. That's just the bottom line. Well, and I think a lot of teams are having success. I haven't looked at the film, but
1: they're lining up in the spread and running. So you spread out that defense and then you run simple things that Mike Leach did at Texas Tech very, very well. Everyone thinks of his passings and his running game was quite dangerous
4: because it kept you on your heels all the time. From Cliff Claven 754, it's year three for the staff and K-State has lost seven consecutive conference games for the first time since 1989 to 1990. Is the program stuck or is it making progress that isn't showing up in the win column yet? We'll have a good chance to win seven straight.
1: I don't, I don't know what to say. The people that are stuck on the seven straight losses. I know it's a fact. I know it's... I, I, you know, Kansas State had a library burned down and kids couldn't study at the library. I mean, did that make it a lesser institution? I mean, things happen during the course of any business. Uh, yeah, they've lost seven straight. If it continues into this season, I'm with you folks, but... In my book, they've lost two straight in the conference. If they'd lost non-conference games, I might be really alarmed. But we know what they did in the non-conference, and we're getting more clarity on it. They absolutely flattened what's turning out to be a pretty decent Stanford team. And with a backup quarterback, they took apart Nevada. So, no, I'm I'm not buying into this. Some of you are so eager to be negative. This is the start of the third season of a rebuild when the second season did nothing to lend itself to rebuilding. Nothing. Nothing from that season other than uh, clearing out some dead wood in the locker room that was causing problems and figuring out that the transfer portal is of great value to you. Nothing really about last year was normal for a second season of a head coach. Nothing. There was no blueprint. There was no way to know how to get through that. Some coaches did better than others. Some locker rooms did better than others. I truly believe some programs cheated on their COVID testing. I'll go to my grave believing that. Mm. There is no way some of those programs had almost zero COVIDs. No way. So uh, just let this play out, folks. Don't bring up Ron Prince. Why? Why is it a reflex to go so negative? I get criticized for going negative on... Bruce Weber, after four seasons. And here we got people 2.25 seasons in. Uh, Actually, it's closer to 2.45 seasons in. Just throwing stuff at the wall. Drum print's all over. They've lost seven straight. Stop!
2: (laughs) Jesus, go to the stadium and yell. I would could, could I, you imagine these fans as Florida
3: State fans right now? Holy crap. I would argue what it, would they do? I would argue it has shown up in the win column. I would argue the progress has shown up in the win column because guess what? The team from twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, they don't beat Stanford. They don't beat Nevada. The team from 20, 2019, they might not beat Nevada. Well the team from twenty twenty one does. And they did. Yeah. So I, I, I would argue that, sure, maybe it's not showing up in the conference when the, you know, the first two games of conference. But again, we already talked about it. you played two of the best teams in conference. I would argue that the progress is showing up in, in, the, in the winning column. Let me, let me dive deeper. So
1: I, I, I get this sense that there's this undertow with some of these opinions that it, it's not that they hired the wrong guy in Chris Kleiman. It's that they should have never let Bill Snyder go. Nobody loves Bill Snyder more than me. Nobody respects him for what he did more than me. I've, I've seen it up close, but folks, if you don't grasp it, the program was literally falling apart, if you don't believe me, I don't know what to tell you. There were no running backs on scholarship at Kansas state when the new coaching staff arrived, how the hell does that happen at a division one program? It was not the same. It just wasn't the same. The depth had fallen off the end of the table and so had the feeling that it was family and everyone rowing in the same direction. That was gone. So many players were leaving, including Skylar Thompson, which is something nobody wants to talk about now. He was out the freaking door. So, I, I know we all want to harken back. Oh, I remember Coach Snyder in the prime. That's like saying, hey, Nebraska, why don't you bring back Tom Osborne? <laughs> I, no, come on, folks. Just we got to let this play out a little bit. This was a rebuild of a roster that had been neglected for too long, there just weren't enough good players. Boy, they could earn some merit badges. I'm telling you what. This group was a bunch of Boy Scouts. They could build fires. They could do first aid. But they couldn't block, catch, and tackle very well. And now they're working on all that. They're working on that. And what the proof of Bill Snyder's mastery as a coach was that he was hovering around 500 all of those years because, folks, those teams weren't very good. You could be on the field and see an incredible physical gap between K-State and the opponent a lot of times. it It's changing, but it's not an overnight process, particularly when you just lost a whole year of off-campus recruiting and you don't live in an area where you have a bunch of recruits that can just roll into campus and take a look for themselves. This isn't the Metroplex. This isn't even Kansas City. So it was a huge disadvantage to K-State during the pandemic. Do they have to alter some things about recruiting? Absolutely. I think they're in big trouble with recruiting. They need to wake up and change some things. Some things are going really wrong. But the transfer portal changes a lot of that, and it's going to be fine. I I really believe it. I believe in Chris Kleiman as a football coach a lot. His flaws, as far as I can see, are too Snyder-like for me being Loyalty, which is a flaw Mm -hmm. if it's overdone, and not fully grasping the recruiting at Kansas State. Yeah, I said that about Bill Snyder. He figured it out and then unremembered it and forgot how to do it. You got to go take chances on kids. You just do.
2: If Bill Snyder was hired initially in 2021 Mm -hmm. and did what he did in his first five seasons— he would have been fired before the end of five seasons. Yep. yep. That, and granted, got to be patient. Everyone was so worn out by all the losing. They were gonna, you know, one
1: win season was a remarkable thing in '89, but it just takes a while to get everything on brand. And we're not really seeing the brand yet. They don't have the right amount of guys. And I'm worried again about them getting the right amount of guys. But now they can do it through the transfer portal, and I think Chris Kleiman... Being the smart coach he is, sees that as an avenue to success.
4: From Kned, you keep saying you expect the conference moves to be done for 2023, but ESPN doesn't get the SEC games from CBS until 2024. Do you think ESPN wants CBS having the first Oklahoma and Texas SEC games?
1: I don't, I don't know why you're so hung up on this. All of these talk about contracts. Everything we're discussing here is about contracts. And you you think that one thing is the most golden rule of all of this. Look, if they really want to leave, they're going to leave. They'll buy their way out. K-State and the Big 12 might end up owning their rights. They might get all the money. Nobody wants this current predicament to go on. We're not even halfway through this season, and everyone else in the Big 12 is sick of OU in Texas. They can generally, you know what, off and die. They'll figure this out. And if I'm the Big 12, I tell them, hey, you've already given notice. You owe us money, and you're out. You guys can figure out what you want to do. Oh, the SEC doesn't want you? Have fun as an independent for a year. That's not our problem.
2: Do you want me to actually answer the question? Answer it. Um, (laughs) I think ESPN does want CBS to have those first Oklahoma-Texas-SEC games because it removes the... Conspiracy of and collusion of ESPN colluding with the SEC to get OU and Texas there because if you give CBS those two ga- those two teams and have them on the, that channel for the first year, it's a big alibi saying, "Oh, we didn't have anything to do." That's good. That's good, Zach.
4: So there you go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks for the analysis. Zach.
4: I
3: think they'll take one year for the next fifteen on their network. That's just my opinion. I agree. I, th- I,
2: d- I d- like it. Does like. <sighs> OU and Texas are playing football games now, and CBS doesn't have them. What's one year of them having CBS, CBS having OU and I Texas? I don't think ESPN and the
1: SEC are too worried about all of that. I really don't. They, they want them in there right now. And if they could have them right now at the right price, they would take them for 2022. They absolutely would. Absolutely. Oh, we've got an extra $150 million laying around. Here you go. We'll take them. You know, if the money was there, it's all about money. That's all this is. All of this will be worked out with money, including the American teams joining the Big 12 early, including BYU getting out of some games, probably. Money
4: solves everything.
1: I wish I had some.
4: Last question comes from KSU number one Are we done with games on ESPN Plus?
1: I think so. But you know, Gene Taylor brought something up, and this is so ESPN. They didn't get their full inventory. Last year, apparently. So now they want it. But what I don't understand is they didn't get their full inventory, but the payout from ESPN was less. Right? They didn't pay their full amount. They paid for the number of games they had. The The drop, there was a drop in Big 12 revenues from TV. Because they didn't have as much inventory. Because they lost a non-conference game? Yeah, with only 10 games as opposed to 12. So they lost...
3: I mean, they lost a total of twenty-four games. Yeah, the only game that would be on ESPN Plus. Is or, excuse the KU. me, twenty games. I just counted twelve teams. K State, KU, right? That'd be the only game that would be, be on there.
2: Uh, why wouldn't I don't? I, mean, a I think Tech or Baylor, TCU. I mean, but, what's, What is, is going State to make ESPN the most revenue? I mean, we can talk about ratings, whatever, you know, which game each week. However, ESPN and Fox, because Fox, let's not forget, Fox is a player in this. They get to have first pick every once in a while. And when I say every once in a while, half the time. I think it's half or even a third. You know, know they they get Fox gets preference at least occasionally. So they are a part of this. But for me, with the ESPN thing, it comes down to revenue. K-State, Oklahoma State that was going to be the most optimal place to put that game. Unfortunately, it wasn't on ESPN U for you to channel surf some random fan to channel surf to. You had to deliberately go to ESPN Plus. But in the end, it makes ESPN more money, makes the Big 12 more money, makes K-State more money. It sucks. Yeah, it's, it does suck. But that's suck. but that is that it's it's a math problem.
1: And and I do believe ESPN is manipulating ratings, moving teams around to fit their needs. But it doesn't help the argument at all that, OU and Texas, along with Oklahoma State, are the three best teams in this conference. So two of the three, they're going to be on TV a lot. They just are. And that's how it works. Iowa State has now fallen off the end of the table. They hadn't been on TV. You know, if, if Cincinnati and BYU were in the conference today, those teams would be on the network. They just would. They're the better teams. It's, it's hard to make that argument when you suck. And by suck, I mean right now K-State is unranked and 1-2 in the conference. That according to well, that, that is. If you're if you're a person from a network, that's not a game you want. You want a storyline. You want a storyline. But yeah. I'm I'm all for streaming. But I, I wish they were a little more transparent in how they do it. I still can't figure out how Kansas State Oklahoma State was on that, because it's not a third tier game. But Gene Taylor says they are owed owed inventory, and I, I, maybe I just don't. I swear
2: that the- I don't. I don't understand how it's a big, it's a Big Twelve game. They own the inventory already. What I don't. It was going to be on some ESPN network anyway. Right, right. It doesn't matter where it is and saying it's inventory. You have the game anyway. Right. It's not like Fox picked it up. That's, it it's, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to me at all.
3: The next time K-State will be on ESPN Plus is when they host Pittsburgh State on November 4th, Thursday at oh, 7 p.m. Oh, shut m. up. For but there's Bruce still football Weathers. games after. There's soccer
2: games on there, Cole.
3: <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah. I,
1: I'm not bothered by games beyond on ESPN Plus. Granted, the production isn't as
2: good. The announcers aren't as good. I get all that. At least two years ago, ESPN Plus was... Act- they actually treated ESPN Plus like it was a channel. Right. They gave good announcing pairs right. on there. Pretty sure Mike Gold Jr. was... Was he on yeah. there as a commentator for a little bit? Yeah, folks. The ESPN is just mailing it in right now with talent. I mean, they're losing people.
1: It's just sad to watch because they can't afford it. They overpaid for the SEC. Love it. Have fun. That's it for the PowerCat Questions podcast. I'm grumpy.
0: So, I apologize. Oh, wait. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com.